The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the marketing madman with Trip Job and Darren Rand on Extra 106.3 FM. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job here with a good friend, frequent uh, guest expert, Kevin Wilds. Good and uh, we're, uh, we're going to tap Kevin's uh, both design and brand expertise today. And uh, why, why do you say that? Why are we going to do that? Um, I think it's, uh, there's some interesting studies and discussion right now going on about design thinking and why design is... Uh, can be a key part of your brand. And so um, maybe uh, give give a little bit of your perspective overall, and then we'll d- dive into some areas that maybe can uh, give our listeners uh, thinking about uh, how this could impact their business. Absolutely. Um, first of all, thanks for having me back. It's uh, great to be back talking to you. It's always fun yeah. to sit down and uh, you know chew the fat about marketing, uh, where everything uh, is sort of our, our lifeblood and our passion. The the thing that I think we're going to talk about today, you know, when you were talking about your brand, there's really not much, if anything at all, that you do outside of maybe some tax filing services and yeah. stuff that you might use that doesn't affect your brand in some way. And, you know, there, you can't control everything all the time, of course. We know brands that are very big and very well respected, but they have some troubles here and there, but they can recover because of the strength of their brand. But at, it is important to always be diligent, or I should say, um, aware about what's going on with your brand and, and figure out and ways that you can help address it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, it's good to be back and you know, kind of look at, again, you know, every time I'm here, I think we talk about customer experience. Yeah. Uh, today, you'll hear us talk a lot about customer experience again. So making sure that that is what it needs to be so you're building your brand in a way that you, um, that you want to and that's helpful. Yeah, and I think... Um, and I think hopefully people understand that, but then the design thinking part of of things, and uh, you know, and, and one one thing I guess I want to set off right off the bat is that um, when we're talking about brand, and then we start getting into design thinking, we're not talking about your logo, all right? It's not changing changing the colors or changing the the look of the logo. Um, you know, that's that that's all. Um, you know, you could call it creative. That's uh, you know, there's times when you need to do that. What we're really talking about in design thinking, especially if you have bricks and mortar type location, is, you know, how does everything that uh, your customers interact with, um, it could be, as you said, the customer experience, it could be the flow, it could be appearance, uh, how does that impact um, the feeling and the value of your brand in their minds? Right. And I it's right on point. The The thing about design thinking and, and what really sets it apart, and we'll go into the steps in a moment, is being deliberate about what you're doing. You know, you don't want to luck into a good brand. Uh, that's a very difficult thing to do. It's like, you know, have, making a video that will go viral. You just don't know when that's going to yeah. happen. So, uh, but being very deliberate about how you think about your brand, but also how you think about and, and we'll talk about this, the worst parts of your brand. You know, how can you design your way out 
Uh, mm-hmm. Think, you know, plan, really design thinking is about building a plan, um, your way out of bad experiences. And and that's, uh, I think, the part that a lot of people miss. They they may put a lot of, whether they're calling it design thinking or not, a lot of design thinking in up front. And then um, over the years, they just take their hands off the wheel and, and they're hoping they'll stay on the road. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes, too, it's not only work their way out of problems, it's work their way into new opportunities. Absolutely. And um, I think, you know, I, you didn't, we were just talking about this. You didn't get to listen to, uh, we had a great speaker from Terminex in the digital world. And one of the things he talked about was, you know, when he goes in and he's, you know, this case, he's more of the digital design thinking and design experience um, and understanding customers. But he says, you know, I'll walk into, and he's been in a lot of different industries and he goes, well, look, I understand our market. And he goes, that pretty much is a sign to me that this person has stayed in their own lane for too long. Right. And they're not necessarily, they may understand one channel, but they don't necessarily all channels of how people are interacting with the brand. Right. And, and understanding your market today is also distinctly different from understanding your market tomorrow. So, you know, if you and if you're today, to your point, you know, we always have talked about, you know, a person with 20 years of experience and the person who had one year experience 20 times. So, you know, if your market is when you were first in business or during, you know, I'm using my quote fingers here on the radio during the good old days, if that's your market knowledge, then uh, there's always an opportunity to be more. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the pre-COVID world versus the post-COVID world and um, where your users are coming from. So let's uh, let's kind of turn it to why why could this be important? I, I thought of an example from a recent uh, experience that maybe uh, maybe will resonate with um, could be with restaurants, could be with other retail uh, organizations. And, and Kevin's got a lot of experience in the retail space. Um, but maybe this will give you a sense of, you know, why you do something differently. So uh, many of us obviously uh, were familiar with, uh, you know, the Georgia Dome and, uh, you know, how, you know, you used to go out and get, um, you know, whether it's your uh, beers, your sodas, whatever, you know, you stand in lines in the concourse and, you know, there's this one horizontal Right, um, I remember. Um, place that you can buy food, beverages, whatever. And, uh, you know, that experience was, oh, my God, I'm waiting in long lines. And it never seemed that it was that it once you got up there and placed your order that it took long for the food to come to you, your drinks. It was just you had to wait for the person in front of you and whether they knew what they were doing. Well, if you go to the bins, and a lot of people have talked about, hey, it's, you know, the prices are great and all that. And, and that that's wonderful. But to me, the biggest thing when we were there for, um, you know, some concerts recently is you look at many of uh, the bar areas now. And instead of that horizontal, um, you know, uh, shell uh, kind of that's out there, all of a sudden the, the bars are U-shaped. Right. right. And right. they, you know, they kind of face back into the inside of the bins. And guess what? Now you've got servers, bartenders, whatever you want to call them, uh, around three sides. Right. And there's space on both both sides. So, you know, I don't know the exact um, lineal footage, but I'm going to guess that you at least have twice the lineal footage available right. um, to cashiers, bar space, et cetera, than you had before. And guess what? And you now, break down that line density. You break down the yep. line. People aren't yep. going through the concourse. And, you know, but that's an idea of how design thinking can um, open up revenue potential. Uh, because, again, the limitation before wasn't the amount of food and drink. It was how many people could you get through a fixed, you know, amount of lineal 
space. Right. Now you've doubled that lineal space. You just put, you know, X number of additional people back there. And, and guess what? You've not only increased your revenue, but you've probably also increased the idea of, oh, the lines don't look as bad. Right. And uh, so maybe more people jump in uh, to the lines moving forward. And I think, you know, the interesting thing about that, too, and, and I, uh, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're great. We're good. So what we're, you know, looking at is really there's a process for doing that. So, again, they didn't just put in the, to your point, the bar and then realize that, hey, this works really well. That, that was thought out. Um, there was a, a process to that. And I, I know, you know, maybe we can go through the steps on how you do that if you're not familiar with design thinking and if you're not familiar with how you would do that up front. Yeah, and, and look, you know, obviously these are big projects. Uh, you're, I know one one that's uh, close to you is uh, Sanford Stadium just agreed to millions of dollars to right. essentially do the same thing. Now, granted, they haven't updated, you know, the concourses and, and all that, but, you know, you think about it, whether it was Mercedes-Benz or Stanford Stadium, there's no more tickets that Sanford Stadium can sell. Right. So, guess, how can they get more revenue? Granted, they can have price increases, um, but the other piece is, hey, can we sell more food and beverage during the course of the games? Well, right right now, anyone who's been there, you know how bad it is, you know, underneath trying to go through any of those There's a few people that show up, right? Right, exactly. And so, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but I'm sure, you know, it's gauged at the the fan experience, but it's also gauged at they probably realize they can double the amount of food and beverage sold uh, with the uh, update. And guess what? They can't do any more with the number of tickets they can sell. Right. Exactly. So, you know, and that, you know, on the retail side, that traffic converting it to ticket sales, you know, to selling more items is essential for any retail or hospitality food and beverage uh, type business so it's important for them to think that through yeah and i think you know the restaurant same type of thing so you may be limited by the number of um, tables and people you have so you have two options right you either increase the um, the experience so maybe that ticket the amount of the ticket goes up right or you're able to increase um you know, the time that goes through, and that's one that I'll give, you know, I think we've talked about this one many times, but Chick-fil-A, uh, McAllister's Deli has done it. You know, we've had, uh, um, you know, some of that group on. And, you know, one of the things they've done is with the in-table dining and ordering, all of a sudden you don't have to stand in line. So, again, right. the bottleneck's not the kitchen. It's standing in line. So how do you uh, how do you create that ability for that table to turn in twenty minutes instead of thirty minutes? And right. guess what? All of a sudden you uh, you know you're going to add a third every hour um, by getting uh, three tables through versus two. So and a lot of restaurants too during COVID you reduced the number of tables in their restaurants because they were trying to space people out, have a little bit more space in between everybody. So there's also a balance for some restaurants depending on what you're serving and at what level. Maybe you have people stay a little longer because you don't have as many tables, you don't have as many turns, and you have them buy more. So, you know, it's it's in many cases more profitable to have somebody come in and get a bottle of wine and, you know, an appetizer and then a full meal and then a dessert and then an after-dinner drink than it is to have somebody come in and get a water and a, and a meal and leave. And, and then the transition point of that. So, you know, it's really balancing that out and making sure that you understand your clientele and how you can improve your overall sales. Yeah, no, uh, great point. And, and one that we, uh, you know, if, if you're not sure, um, you know, start out by just going and sitting in your space, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's uh, uh, you probably don't have a stadium, but <laughs> <laughs> whether it's a retail store, um, just go sit and watch. 
right? And uh, I mean, I think that's the easiest way that you can go and, and just kind of, uh, you know, Get feedback. Watch how people interact. Watch, uh, watch what if lines are forming. Watch where, you know, a there can be bottlenecks, but also areas of interest. I mean, if you're in a retail store, it might be um, where are people stopping and looking. You know, are there end caps? Are there things of that nature? Um, right. You know, when we come back from the break, we'll we'll dive into design thinking in different different ways. You know, the the origins of the racetrack design in retail and things like that. Absolutely. So, um, but number one is. Yeah, just go sit and kind of make notes and watch. Don't uh, don't start asking, but just uh, just let your eyes tell you what's going on. So, uh, when we come back from the break, we'll we'll dive more into design thinking with Kevin Wilds, and you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra One Hundred Six Point Three. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra One Hundred Six Three FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job here with Kevin Wilds, uh, branding and design expert and good friend. And we are uh, we're talking about you know some of the implications and why you might consider um, design thinking with your brand, especially if you've got bricks and mortar, and uh, you know hopefully pique people's interest to see that uh, you know the revenue opportunity and I would think profit opportunity as well, of course. Uh, but let's, Kevin, let's dive in a little bit to, you know, some of how you go about design thinking. So um, besides, you know, reaching out to Kevin and other experts <laughs> out there, um, you know, how do you go about besides just sitting and watching a little bit and observing, you know, what are the things that you start with and you recommend that uh, business owners think about um, when they, again, maybe they have a problem or just looking for new opportunities to improve their business? Well, I want to start by let's start where we left off in the last segment. Yeah. One of the things that you know you brought up and you just mentioned it there as well is when you and we're going to go through the steps of design thinking because you may be thinking, well, "Great, I don't understand what any of this means." So <laughs> we're talking about examples, but also think about that you need partners in doing this. You need third-party perspectives. So and and don't just expect to hire a firm like mine or or, or working with Trip or other people and say they've got that. I'm good. You know, you're going to be working with them arm in arm uh, to figure this out. You're also working arm in arm with your customers. You're working arm in arm with the people that you're selling goods or services to. And whether that's digital or or brick and mortar or both, of course, as most people are both nowadays, that's important. So when you're thinking about this design thinking yeah. as somebody who's a business owner, doesn't mean you necessarily need to do every aspect of it every day, but understanding the steps and who's doing what is important for you to have success. 100% agree. And, you know, I, I, I've i come into businesses at times that have used things like Secret Shopper, which is great. Yep. Um, I think the challenge a lot of times is, and, and to Kevin's point, where you tap others to, to really think about what your challenge is and problem is, I would say 80 to 90% of the time, Secret Shopper focuses on price. Right. All right. And so um, great program. You can ask them to do other things. And a lot of it is what's the experience? How was your weight? You know, things of that nature. Right. And um, so that it's it's beyond price and to the impact of things um, when you when you use those type of tools, um, you know, really understanding that. Right. Their overall. Yeah. Time is up. Yeah. <laughs> no, overall, yeah, it's understanding really what that overall experience of the customer is. And and I think that's, you know, it's funny because we talked about that customer experience is almost like a new buzzword, but it's always been the thing since the first customer. I mean, yeah. the first, you know, 
cave person who traded a rock for a stick. You know, it was about that experience. So what's interesting about design thinking, and I want to start with these steps real quick, is how these can help focus you so you can start to realize where your customer experience is broken. Because everybody makes mistakes. There's always a bad customer experience for every company out there. Uh, The idea is to understand where it's an actual problem versus an anomaly and also be able to fix it by working through this process. So when we talk about design thinking, and there's a few different ways to outline this, but for this discussion to help us stay focused, it really starts with why. You know, that's the step number one. Why are you doing what you do? You know, why does your company exist? And if your company exists because we like to make money and I want to buy a Porsche, you might want to rethink your why because right. not everybody's going to be, you know, vested in helping you get your Porsche. At the same time, um, and Simon Sinek did a great job of writing a book called Start With Why. So, you know, it kind of talks yeah. about starting with why and then, you know, ultimately how do you take that why and turn it into something and then what do you make versus the opposite direction. Um, the second step is, you know, knowing your user and getting uh, how to get them inspired. And, and that's that customer experience stuff. So you really have to know who's using your product and what their experience is. The third part being experiment with ideas. Uh, you know, don't, don't be afraid to take risk. Now, you don't want to take catastrophic risk. You don't want to open up a steakhouse and then say, tomorrow I think we're also, you know, we're just going to chuck everything and do sushi uh, necessarily. Yeah. So you want to make sure that those risks are within means. Um, and it, but experiencing, experimenting with those ideas is important, so keeping open. And then, uh, you know, ultimately building uh, the product as you work through, you know, and testing. And so builds number four. Testing the design uh, is number five. And then tracking your progress. So, you know, we know that nothing that is – everything that's not measured can't be improved. So ultimately you have to have some sort of measurement, and it can't be that you felt good about right. it and your wife – or your significant other thought it was a good idea, and therefore the testing is done. It needs to be very well thought out and very well tracked. Um, And then ultimately along the way, uh, last step, step number seven, is to tolerate failures because you are going to make mistakes, and that's fine. Uh, You know, the idea is to recover and go back to the beginning and rethink. Yeah, and I think this is great. So I want to kind of hit on the first couple of – you know, start with why and know your customers. And so the last week or so, uh, we're talking at the break, um, been helping my parents um, move back into their home, uh, had to pick up some things, some area rugs and a few other things. And so uh, one of those, oh, my God, do I really have to go into uh, furniture stores? And so, yes, <laughs> I've, I've had in the last two weeks more experience than I care to have in quite a while. Um, you know, certain things you just can't do online because, right. uh, who the customer is, I've got to take uh, mom and dad along with me. Um, so going into different types of furniture stores and, you know, th- this is the idea of design thinking. I'm thinking of in one afternoon, three different stores walking in. So one of them, I walk in and, and you're going to, I'm going to let Kevin give a sense of what he thinks the, the typical target customer is based on this so the first one i walk in and they've got a very nice um reception desk right up front with someone who asks me you know what are you looking for can i help you or get someone who can help you not that person right um and then you can see that the rest of the store on both sides you know goes off behind that kind of uh, it opens up through two doors but you really have to go through that almost reception area to be greeted right, to be qualified as a customer right. so that's that's the first one the second one um you know i go through and you know it, it's a little open at first there's a couple you know things that are as you walk in you see 
Um, but then you kind of get funneled down um, to this area where there's just kind of chairs and, and sofas waiting, and you see the three or four or five, depending on what type of day, salespeople there before you can break out into the right. um, uh, into the design, you know, in the different areas you want to look at. So I kind of feel like I'm running like a football team out of the tunnel into, <laughs> you know, into the salespeople. And then the third one is one that, um, you know, you go in and immediately um, there's like three or four different paths and it's not straight paths. It's diagonal paths. There's little rooms, vignettes, et cetera. And so I can almost choose my path right away. Um, to get into different areas of furniture. And then eventually, at some point, someone may come up and see me. So to me, those are three different types of whys and customer experiences. But what, what do you take from that? Well, I first of all, I'm hoping that they know their primary customer because somebody like you, somebody like me, you know, who goes to a whole bunch of different furniture stores every once in a while are not the uh, necessarily the typical people that they like a certain store and they yeah. furnish their whole house with that store. So and, and that is, in a lot of cases, especially in smaller towns where there's not a lot of choice, that's their lifeblood. So, you know, it's it's funny as you describe them, you probably know which one you had the best experience with. And now a lot of that speaks to how they manage their business, but it also speaks to who you are. Right. So, uh, again, hopefully they went through design thinking to kind of determine who they wanted as customers and who those customers are. And then they designed a space around them. If the open room, you know, um, and what I always kind of refer to is the the sales meerkat experience when you walk in and they all pop their heads up and you're like, oh no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, you know, then they start, can I help you? Can I help you? And they're, they, you just could barely get in the door. If, if that open room is thinking that they're very high end and that, that that's the experience that a high end, uh, you know, uh, purchase uh, is going to require, then they've missed the mark, obviously. You know, that's yeah. going to be people that, who that's are- That's the last place I want to go. I yeah, mean, truly, exactly it's right. like, I'm, go, I'm, I'm going to that one because I know there's some brands there right. that I can't find elsewhere because that experience just, oh, right. just or you got it. Yeah, you got a really limited budget. It's a room you don't care yeah. as much about. You know you're going to have to go down there, and, and, yeah. and it's not going to be fun for you. Now, yeah. again, some people it's fun for. Some people like yeah. to go and find deals and talk to people. You know, that may not be you. Whereas you're going to want a more curated experience. So I would expect that the other ones, depending on how the vignette one was done, that sounds like a great experience to be able to walk through and explore and not be accosted. But if the concierge one is done well, too, then that could be enjoyable. It really depends on that layout. Yeah, no, and I think they both had their uh, things that helpful. So when I was doing the first, hey, I need to get ideas, the vignette right. was fantastic. Because I got in, got to move around at my pace immediately. Um, sometimes, you know, um, and, and in this case where we were looking for something very specific, the concierge was perfect because I did say, Hey, here's what I'm looking for. And they got someone immediately and took me right. I didn't waste my time. Right. So, I mean, but that I had a specific need. We probably were going to pay more because we needed this, you know, eight by 10 to nine by 12, you know, certain type of area rug because it was a room that had to be fit. So it was perfect for it. I mean, it truly um, was not, you know, the discount type environment. Um, we paid more, but, you know, we left with samples to go check at home, see if the colors were going to work and all that type of things. And, and um, you know, whatever they pay for that, losing that real estate footage and hiring someone to essentially be that frontline person, they're probably going to get it back because of the profit margins versus of somewhere course. else. But guess what? I spent 15 minutes in that store 
where I probably spent 45 minutes having to walk around just to get ideas. And then right. on the idea stage, that's fine. But if I were looking in the other store for something specific, um, would have been more that, that I, I yeah. three times my time trying to search and find things. Right. And I, I, you know, and as we look at this too, you know, we talked about number one, you know, starting with why you can usually walk into a store or a restaurant or go to a website or anything, some sort of an experience with somebody's brand. And you should be able to kind of get the why they exist. You know, yeah. they're here to sell cheap furniture or they're here to take care of me or these people are, you know, to, here to introduce me to things I didn't even know existed because they're higher end or, or perhaps an experience that I wasn't used to. Um, understanding that why you should get it right when you walk in. But what you're talking about primarily, um, and I have a you know example of this as well, is knowing your user and getting them involved, you know, ultimately asking questions. We've talked right. about voice of the customer. And as that second step, you know, you could tell when you walked in there whether or not they talked to customers or not, um, you know, and also how long they've been in business will tell you whether or not they've talked to their customers. But I can remember experience many years ago, and, and I, I let me back off just a tad. Yeah. I think the important thing to look at here is everything ties together from a customers, from a potential customer's first experience with your brand. They've heard about it. They've seen it from that point to when they actually become a customer and the service and the retaining of that customer later on is important. Right. So, you know, if you've got, if you started out with a billboard or a radio spot, the, how those look and feel need to be the same. And then they need to drive directly to your website or your store or your website and your store across the board. So that holistic approach is what design thinking is really about. It's about having that experience from the first interaction to the last. Be it's consistent the trust in your great. brand. I'm sorry. It's the trust in your brand. Absolutely. And yeah, all the way Absolutely. through. There's, a, I can't remember who it is, but there's a, a great commercial out there about someone, uh, you know, this wonderful vacation, this log cabin home or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's on the river, and all of a sudden the people pull up and they're. They look and they walk through the door and it's just a like a theater facade. Right, right. <laughs> that's exactly, exactly what you're saying. Exactly right, it's exactly like, right. And, and so uh, a lot of the Airbnb things yeah, and stuff like yeah. that do that. Where you, if you're really good at photography, every space looks pretty good. But yeah. then you know also, especially for somebody who owns multiple homes and is doing that type of renting, yeah. one bad experience you're not renting anymore. So and and so a good experience, a, a good example of that is many years ago when I was getting married. Um, there's a uh, local uh, re jewelry co company that I won't manage, I won't mention. But <laughs> there's a few here. Uh, there's but, a few. Uh, yeah. um, but they advertised on the radio all the time. They sounded fantastic, extremely professional. And so I had my first interaction with them was hearing about them on the radio, and I expected to be able to go down and, and you know have a, a really uh, great customer experience. And this really goes down to design because you can't control your people. So there were some people issues, which we'll get into, but you can't control your people. But from the moment I walked into the store, I, I walked in, the door locked behind me, and I was in a box. I was mm. locked in a little room with another door that somebody had to come over and unlock. And this was a high-end jewelry store, supposedly high-end jewelry store. It was not in a bad part of town. Sounds so. like going to the psychiatrist yeah. or so something. Yeah, <laughs> so I instantly was a little on guard, right? And as soon as I walk in the store, there was a, and this is, again, design thinking, the store was wide open, um, and the there was a, a confrontation between a customer and a, an employee on the far end of the store. No dividing walls, no no sense of sound uh, deadening or anything. So that that was permeating across the store, and it wasn't a, a out out and out argument. It got to that point. It was right. just loud talking. 
Um, so you instantly were kind of like you were focused on that as opposed to being focused on the person who was standing in front of me who was trying to do a good job. Um, and then, again, to your point, just big, long cabinets. Uh, there was no specialness to wedding rings versus, you know, jo- versus necklaces and bracelets and down the line. It, they were just kind of all over the place. From that experience, though, and it, it got worse from there. They yeah. basically tried to make me a deal and tell me, you know, if you leave today, you'll never get this deal again. <laughs> and I left, and, and they never got me again. So they lost 25 years of jewelry buying from me uh, for my beautiful wife and and. And and I also have told everybody I've ever met, don't go there. They're yeah. terrible. And they're still in business today. So, But they're not going out of business. But the more business they can, I don't know how many people were like me that had that experience. Right. And they lost me for life. Never called me. Never followed up. Never wondered. And they had my number because they asked for it up front. Um, another issue. But ultimately, they never followed up. I never heard of, you know anything from them again. And that sort of a thing is what a lot of businesses, I, I'm I'm kind of, uh, I, I believe I'm doing a service, but some people may not see it as such. If I don't go someplace, I'll talk to the manager and say, let me explain why I'm not coming back. Because being a business owner myself, you don't want to just one day show up and all the people are gone. And you're like, right. what happened to my sales? It must be COVID. It must be something else. Yeah, I'd right. like people to kind of know what's happening. Um, and if you don't know why people are leaving, like this company didn't know why I'm leaving, you could lose them for life. And you could be losing thousands, if not millions of people for life, depending on how large your brand is without ever knowing. Yeah. And we, I've had that same experience, car shopping, you know, oh, it was actually absolutely. for my son, you know, a couple of years ago. And it turns out the, the manager was very, uh, he pulled us into his office, you know, on the same type of thing. And it was more of the, you know, the salesperson and it was their tactics and things like that. And I said, look. I, yes, we want to do the deal. I mean, you know, because we had done the pre-work and all that. But I said, it, you know, there are things going on here that we're about ready to walk. And it's not over. It's not overpriced. It truly was over um, listening and other things, uh, to your point. And um, I said, if we don't tell you, you'll never know. And he was very apologetic and had other feedback that he said, this helps me paint you know, you're not the only person this is, you know, paints a picture and a story, right. you know, of, of why sometimes you, you need that. But, um, you know, it also, even though we did that transaction, I would say it would give us pause the next time working with that dealership. Not that we won't because they right. did handle it, but it's kind of like, mm, what's the experience going to be like? Well, and I think that it's such a important point that that's easy to do i won't say it's easy to do it's simple to follow the steps of design thinking sometimes it's difficult yeah. to implement those so you know if you look at the next three steps experiment with ideas build prototypes and test your design um i'm i'm very aware and often amazed at how little of that is done for relatively significant businesses so when you look at the, uh, there's a new restaurant that yeah. opened up in the Marietta area. And we went in during the first week that they were open and uh, they looked like they had just opened. They didn't really have all their stuff together. So we ended right. up not eating there because we were like, we're going to give them a second to settle. We went back a month later. And when you walked into the place and when you're talking about experimenting with ideas, building prototypes, and then testing that design, they did not do any of that with the space as it existed. It was an existing space that could have easily mm-hmm. gone in and kind of seen the issues throughout the day. Uh, windows to the right where the sun came straight in, no window treatments. The right-hand wow. side of the restaurant was 95 degrees. There was nothing they could do. Um, the bar was right in the middle when you walked in. Uh, it was only about half full when we went in. 
and there was no sound baffling. The bar was extremely loud. So these were things, again, that they could have prototyped yeah. and tested, like put up some window treatments when the building was empty and be like, wow, it gets cooler over here when we do that. Or, you know, walk in and go, I'm talking to you and it's really loud in here. You know, even when it's empty, what are we going to do to keep right. that from happening? You know, we're going to do hard surfaces on the top and the bottom. So all of those things weren't thought through. So you already came in with a sense of discomfort. Now they followed it up with horrible food and horrible service, but um, but again, oh, the trifecta. Yeah, they had the trifecta, <laughs> and what's funny about them, well, not funny, but sad about that is I was sitting uh, at a bar having a drink with some friends the other day, and somebody sitting right next to me, uh, who was a foodie, was saying, you know, have you eaten any place, you know, new around here? And I said I have, but I didn't like it. And they they said, well, we'll tell you one place not to go, and they told me exactly <laughs> the same place we had just been. So the word was out, and this is a very this is a relatively high end place, right. but again, they 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 didn't do any of the design thinking, and they didn't work through those processes before they opened, and they're suffering because of it. Yeah, no, let's hit on the experiment a little bit because there's you know and. and We'll hit on the restaurant side because there are things you can do. And there are, look, let's face it, there are a lot of restaurants, to your point, that go in after someone else. So they've taken over. Um, and, and they'll look, they assume the layout's good. And, and even if you don't change the layout, you hit on a number of things. Okay, sound quality. How does that you know affect the experience? Well, look, with my dad and, and his conditions, uh, Oh, you know, noise is a big thing. So a lot of times right. you'll, you know, you might go in after and – Historically, I'm going to say, um, you know, Hispanic restaurants would have tile floors. A lot of it is just the theme. Okay, right. well, that makes it noisy. And it, it, you know what? In most Hispanic restaurants, it's that's okay. People are there for a reason. Like the energy, and it's yep. energy exactly. and all that upbeat. Yep. A lot of times, music, whatever. But all of a sudden, you go in that type of a restaurant, and um, and you're not. That's not what you're trying to do. It's more maybe intimate type of thing. Well, the, that noise bouncing off the floor. So, what can you do from a floor cover, covering standpoint? Right. You know, how do you look at that? Can you put um, baffles in the ceiling and and break it down? Right. Yeah. So there's there are ways that you can experiment and look at. You know, again, what are you what are you trying? To, what's the why? What are you trying to accomplish? Right. And do the tools, the assets around you allow you to do that? Absolutely. Um, what other experiments would you say from a restaurant perspective that, you know, are not, hey, it's not construction. It's not we're going to go um, have to spend $30,000 right. tearing walls down, um, but things that you can do, even maintenance-related type things sometimes. Well, and, I, you know, we're sensory creatures. I mean, right. the whole idea is to work through your senses. So, you know, I, I sit down with a lot of people and, and ask them strange questions. You know, when you're, when you're looking at the digital realm, it's usually sight and sound. So, you know, how does your brand look? How does it sound, you know, if you're if you got video or anything like that on your website? Uh, the same thing, of course, in any brick and mortar space, but also how does it smell? You know, mm -hmm. uh, how does it feel in here? Is it hot? Is it cold? Do you smell the next door uh, restaurant's food? You know, and that's yeah. completely different than yours. So, you know, I think working through those areas and then experimenting with the issues. So, you know, if you walk in and it's hot, there's only a few reasons why you're hot, HVAC being the first one, but that's running. And you're like, wow, that sun's really coming through. Then... It costs nothing, I mean, to experiment with a paper shade from Home Depot and right. just run over there and put it up and go, wow, that really dropped the temperature in here. Maybe we should spend a few hundred dollars to fix these windows. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, I think it's amazing, especially in those type of spaces where, again, your goal is either to in increase you know, the ticket. So guess what? If it's hot there, 
the likelihood of someone hanging around to have dessert right. or other things that might increase the ticket is minimal right. uh, or add uh, more alcohol or whatever to extend their stay. You're, you're probably hurting yourself on things like that. So you've got uh, you've got the ability to do that. Well, uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to dive in maybe to a few more examples and we can talk about some of uh, things we've seen that have been done well and things that uh, maybe we've uh, we're like, oh, my God, they really need to improve this. So you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll be right back. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job from Rand Inc. here with a good friend and design and brand expert, Kevin Wilds. Hello. And, uh, you know, we haven't, I forgot to tell people, we've talked about, um, you know, some of the ideas and things you help people with. But uh, how can they find you, Kevin? What's, uh, you know, if, if they are thinking about, boy, what is the impact on my business and my brand of, of some of these? And again, it can be visual, can be user experience, but what's the best way to, uh, to reach out and find you and your, uh, your design and brand services? Of course. So my company is called Will Home, W-I-L-H-O-M-E. So uh, wellhome.com is where you can find me. Uh, we currently, we're a boutique uh, marketing, brand marketing firm. And we do a lot of work with just issues like we're talking about here. We do a lot of work with hospitality as well as a lot of work in the home industry. So home products and and with home improvement retailers and, and stuff like that. Yeah, so. super. Well, um, we kind of went through, you know, ways to um, experiment uh, or ideas. And uh, as I mentioned, we had this great... Uh, speaker earlier this week and talking about and this is on the digital front and and one of the things he said is hey you know don't just do one experiment you know for them and now the size of their business um you know they they have about 15 to 20 experiments going on all at all times now they're national they're uh, good size but um he goes look ebay is doing 500 you know experiments at one time so you know a lot of it is what's what's pertinent what's what's um what can you handle? But I would say when you get to, you know, the retailer, the brick and mortar, um, you know, it's probably not just one experiment. Um, it, it's this idea of how can we track and do little things and then how are we measuring it? And uh, when do we start making an, uh, decisions or assumptions based on the results? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the thing that's interesting, you know, in the digital realm, and we've talked about this before, I believe, maybe not here, but about prototyping, you know, and prototyping is basically before prototypes, and prototyping yep. is usually free. So on your on your website, uh, you can you can put out a new product that you're thinking about and ask for pre-orders, uh, and then if you don't get any, you tell people that it, you know you're not going to bring out the product right. and it didn't cost you anything. Uh, when you get into the physical wheel world uh, and the prototyping, then it can start to cost some money. So coming up with an economical way to test things, as I mentioned with you know paper shades on a window right. or, or something to see how it works, um, is important. So once you've identified the issue, and again, walking in and, and sort of determining the worst part of your experience, uh, a lot of times it just takes asking that. You know, everybody kind of knows what they like when they walk into a restaurant, but they know more about what they don't like. So um, determining that and then coming up with a testing protocol about how do we do this. You have, if you have multiple stores or multiple venues in a brick and mortar, mm -hmm. you know, you may take, and it may not be just the heat thing based on proximity of the building, 
But, you know, it may be something else that every store seems to have this issue. And you try something in one and you see if it improves over the other stores. So, you know, you have a little way to not just do a full solution across the board because you're not sure it's going to work and it could be expensive. You try one and you test it and you see where you end up. And that's many ways uh, how you can mitigate those costs and at the same time end up with a solution that works. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think... You know, when I think about uh, areas that uh, are kind of bugaboos for me, you know, usually I, I, I probably think of the back of the house and then moving forward. You know, it's look, I, I may spend my own time to figure out what I want, right. but then when I'm ready to purchase it, how easy is that part? of the experience, <laughs> right. right? Because I've I've now made my decision. I can be as fast or as slow as I want, but once I made it, then, you know, how easy is it to get through, you know, the user experience? And, you know, that can even be at a restaurant as well. I mean, right. look, there's some places have now gone to, you know, um, I don't necessarily like always ordering through their little device, but if I can pay right there, you know, right. and move on, then that's fantastic. But um, that, that's how I work, but that's, I'm one type of customer, but how do you think about, you know, in some of your clients, you know, is it, is it from walking in, you know, going back to, uh, meeting that brand experience or is it kind of working backwards or is it some other alternative? Well, I think when you were talking about you're that type of customer, I think that is the secret sauce right there. Right. So ultimately, you know, talk to your customers. Uh, you really, initially you have a, you need to have, especially if you're an existing brand, the customers you want may not necessarily be the customers you have. Yeah, so true. if you look at your why and you start working through the process of, of design thinking, you may realize that the customers you have are, are the absolute wrong customers for you. And that's not where you started and that's not your, your gift and, and what you're uh, looking to go after. If that's the case, then you need to do personas and talk to customers that go shop at other places and don't come to your place and how, how you can attract them. If the customers you have are the customers you want and you just need to get more of them or convert them to more sales, you need to involve them. So you're a certain type mm -hmm. of customer. I'm a certain type of customer. Every customer is not the same, even within the same demographic or however the persona works out. Um, but they do. They are going to have certain things. You're going to start to notice a trend of certain things that bother them the same or that delight them in the same way. They really love this one thing or the other. Um, and then be able to test that by market. So that, you know, I think that's that thing that you have to really work on. And as you're working through those testing protocols and you're tracking your progress, and then you're going to fail. You know, you know that the last step of this is when you fail, figure out why, and then ultimately you try something else and you work your way back through the process. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave one freebie for uh, those, especially those in the restaurant business. And, and you, obviously, you spent, I know, working your time through college mm -hmm. as well in, uh, in the hospitality space and restaurant space. But um, a lot of times we will see the manager, assistant managers come around, and the typical question is, how was your experience tonight? You know, anything, right? right? I'm going to change that slightly. All right, you really want to get good feedback or feedback, positive, negative things that you can ask. Change that question to what's one thing you remember from your dining experience tonight? Right. Imagine being asked that question versus, because guess what? Most of us go, it was great or whatever. I mean, you don't get actionable feedback. Right. But if you ask for one thing, you might get, oh, Kevin was fantastic as my waiter, or right. this food item was fantastic, or, you know, uh, it took too long, you know, for between uh, when we ordered and we got a 
asking one yep. simple question and you know you're it's not just about plot it's it's about what can make the experience better and i think uh, to ex- to expand on that just a little bit the start stop continue uh, question line so you're asking them what what should we continue doing what was right. the thing that delighted you that we should continue doing if they're willing to share ask them what should we stop doing yeah and then ask them what should we start doing and, and if you can get somebody, you, know, you don't want to berate people with those three questions, but you start out with what should we continue, to your point. If you get that chance, though, to include those other two, you'll start to see a trend, and it gives you where you should put some design thinking to it. Yeah. No, those are uh, great, great ideas. And it's, you know, it's, you don't, you're not, you know, putting them under the grill, and they don't feel like they're right. having a survey. You're, you're thanking them for you being there. You should stop doing but, these surveys. But it's just, right. it's just <laughs> twisting that line of thinking um, to get – uh, some things that you know you'll start to uncover um, maybe better better ideas better things that can really impact your business and at the end of the day I mean that's what we do that's what Kevin does that's how do we help you you know kind of get out of your blind spots at times and help you um, you know improve that turn rate or improve the ability to have a bigger check because again most most retail environments you know, you are limited for how much you can put in, you know, that space. So it's a better, how do you, how do you get more efficiency or uh, greater tickets to improve your, um, to improve your volume? So Absolutely. Reach out. We can help. Yeah. So, um, Kevin, thanks again, as always. Uh, great talking with you. Thank bringing you. your expertise here. And, uh, you know, as always, uh, it's fun uh, to, uh, to have you on the Marketing Mad Men. And uh, hopefully you have a great week and our audience has a fantastic week. You too. Uh, you've been listening to uh, Trip Job and Kevin Wilds on Extra 106.3. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.